We're talking about how do we journey through life with God? How do we do that as a church? How do we do that as individuals? And, and last time, we're using this metaphor of sailing. And last time I talked about the, this Holy Spirit being like the wind. And if you've, if you've ever been sailing, you, you have to have the wind. Okay, you have no wind, you just sit there. Okay, and if you, if, you, uh, if you don't follow the wind, it's going to be very hard to sail. You've got to go, even if you want to go from here to there, you might have to zigzag your way there based on the wind to get. And so I said that that's part of being a Christian is, is we've got to follow where the Holy Spirit takes us. And today, we're going to continue that idea with the idea of if you really want to follow the Holy Spirit, you've got to hoist your sails. You gotta let the sails out. You gotta figure out how to catch the wind and follow where. And so today I want to get even more practical about how do you discern and follow God's will. And I want to start out with a couple scriptures here. Um, the Bible has lots of ways of talking about this, lots of language. You've heard it in some of our songs and things already. That God has a will, that God leads us, that we seek God. That Jesus says to his disciples, what does he say to them when he calls them? Follow me. There's lots of ways the Bible talks about this. Um, one of the major ways that we talk about this is, uh, comes in a lot of places, but, but let's look at Romans 8.28. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those who are called according to his purpose. Every person... Every group has two things, a call and a purpose, a call and a purpose. Okay, really what you have in your life is lots of calls. Okay, calls are like when God calls you to something right here, your next step, your next job, your next move. Okay, God calls you to stop doing this and start doing that. There's lots of calls in your life. And then I think your purpose is like the thread amongst all the calls. Okay, they, they, your purpose is who God made you to be. And so what you really do in your life is you, you answer God's calls, but you're going in the direction of your purpose. And I think every one of you has a purpose that God put in your life and that God has called you to lots of things that line up with that purpose. And the more you follow your calls, the more you get to your purpose. And I think churches are like that. Churches have, purpose, have a purpose. This church has a purpose. And a lot of churches, their purpose... Really, it shifts a little bit, but it has actually stayed the same for a very long time. Maybe they just lost sight of it. But, but then you have lots of calls. We need to do this. We need to start this. And this needs to happen. And this needs to stop. So you have call and a purpose. What Paul's saying is that, that those things work together for good. It doesn't mean that they all work out great. But what it means is that God is going to bring good out of the people that are pursuing their calls and their purposes. Because you love God, you pursue those things. And, and how do you know what's your call and your purpose? Well, the Bible has a word for that too. It's called discernment. Discernment. Discernment is where you make decisions based on your call and your purpose. And you say, God, what is your will for this? God, what do you want me to do with this? And you bring God into the daily decisions of your life. Let me, let's look at a, a specific example of a discernment process in Acts 1. In Acts chapter 1, 21, 26, we had 12 disciples. One of the disciples is no longer a disciple. That's Judas Iscariot. He's betrayed Jesus and now hung himself. And so there's an empty spot. So the disciples called together, the rest of the disciples and the rest of the people called together, basically a nominating committee. And here's what they do. 
So one of the men who had accompanied us during all this time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward to Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice and Matthias. Okay, so they're like, well, whoever it's going to be, here's the qualifications. They have to have been with Jesus from the get-go. Like way back at his baptism, they have to have seen all this stuff, and they have to have seen the resurrection. There's the criteria. And amazingly, they come up with two. They come up with two people that could potentially do that. And then, verse 24, they prayed and said, You know, you know, Lord, you, Lord, who knows the hearts of all, show us which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and a lot fell to Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. So he never lists Matthias as one of the twelve disciples, but he was one. He got voted in. Now, a lot of Christians are bothered by this idea of dividing lots, casting lots. It was very common in those days, in a 50-50 decision where it could be either or, like flipping a coin. What I want to focus on is this idea that the disciples assume that God has chosen one of these two. They got down to the two, and they were like, well, one of them, God, you chose, and so, Lord, let us choose the one you chose. What if we actually took seriously the idea that God has choices for us? That when we go to make a decision, God already has plotted out the decision for us, And our job isn't to make good decisions, everybody. Our job as Christians is to do God's decision. Well, then, your decisions look totally different if that's true, right? Should I marry this person? Should I take this job? Should I buy a new house? Should I retire? Should I come out of retirement? Okay, should I move to a smaller house? All these kind of decisions. What if God actually has a choice for you? And your job isn't to make the decision. Your job is to figure out what God's choice was. That's a different different level of of thinking here. That's a different way of doing things. And I think that is the way Christians ought to work, is through discernment. I remember one of the major things I had to discern in my life. I've always leaned towards discernment. And I've always been drawn toward it. Even though I'm very logical as a person, I've always been an intuitive decision maker. In other words, for me, it has to feel right, or I can't do it. Even if I know it's right, I have to, like, there's a feeling, intuition that I have to have when I actually make decisions. I've always been like that. Um, And then God has sort of developed that in me and developed with me and me this idea of discernment. I I remember I was was working in a church, in a Methodist church up in Erie, um, and, and I was the youth director and the outreach minister, okay? But very quickly, I was kind of the associate pastor. And I preached some, and I got to use a lot of my gifts and teach Bible studies. And, and it became very clear to me that, okay, I, I think I'm going to have to go into pastoral ministry. Which was crazy, because my dad was a pastor, and I swore I would never do that. Like, there was no way I was going to be a pastor. That was the one thing I was like, I'm never doing that. But sure enough, I started feeling like, oh, I, I need... I, I gotta be a pastor. I gotta go to seminary. So I started looking at seminaries. 
Again, that was so foreign to me. Like, I am going to start looking at this again. I really don't want to go back to school. That was crazy. So I started looking at seminaries. And uh, I found a seminary that I liked over in Ohio. It was a Methodist school. But, but the, the board said, the, the board for ordination, I started talking to them. And they said, that's not really a school that would count. I thought, well, that's, that's problematic, right? <laughs> so I won't go there. I went, my wife and I visited Pittsburgh Seminary and uh, drove into the city and saw some classes, stayed for an evening class, and we hated it. We did not like Pittsburgh Seminary at all. In fact, we very, there was very little discussion of it. We were driving home. We left the seminary. It was quiet for about 10 minutes. And then we said, well, that's not the place. And then my wife was like, no, that is definitely not the place. And we just kept driving. But I decided I was going to apply, and I was going to uh, apply for financial aid. And I thought, maybe I'll just take a class, just get started, because it was coming towards the end of summer. Now's the time, you know. Um, two weeks before class, I, I got in, I got my financial aid. I still wasn't sure I was going to go, and I did not want to live down there. I got a letter in the mail saying, hey, we, somebody made a large donation to the school, we're able to offer you a full scholarship for your classwork for the school year. So the next day I called them just to verify that this was like a real letter. <laughs> you know what I mean? I didn't even think this was real at first. And uh, it was all, like, God gave me like 40 grand whoop, in a letter. And I've never had a clearer decision in my life, right? It was like, but you, orientation was in two weeks. Okay, my, I, we called to see if there was an apartment. There was, it was gonna be ready in four weeks. So I was gonna to have to live somewhere until I could get the apartment. And I was like, I, I have to have a job. And so I talked to my, my the pastor I was working for and I started working weekends. I come, I do Greek Friday morning, come home, week, work all weekend for the church, drive back Sunday night and just live with one of our parents for the weekend. We had two kids and one on the way at the time. It was crazy. And we literally, we, we packed up our stuff in a moving van Parked it at the seminary. I lived in an apartment there while our apartment was getting fixed up. Mandy was still in Erie. It was nuts. Nuts. But when God gives you 40 grand, you're like, okay, I'll do that. <laughs> now, the 40 grand, like, people see that and say, well, didn't God make that clear? Yeah, but for months, I was applying and I was looking and I was struggling and it, it was hard. So that was where God really showed me what discernment is all about. And in my life, I have done this so many times. So what, what I want to do is I want to talk to you right now. And we're going to burn through some notes here about how you practically do this. And, and it was fun kind of putting this together because I am telling you, I don't know of anybody else that actually teaches this like this. This is sort of what God has showed me and I am going to show you and we are going to move. Everybody ready? First, reading the wind. Reading the wind is like, let's get a big picture of what it's like to read and try to sail and try to mess with our sails. A couple of things that you need to know about discernment. Number one, discernment is not analysis. It's not analysis. Analysis isn't bad on its own, but it's not the same thing. In the Bible, the most analytical, logical decision that you could make is normally the wrong one. When God calls you, he normally calls you to something crazy. Okay? You don't discern the same way you analyze. You discern by something else. 
It's like intuition. It's an understanding of purpose. It's an inner sense. It's not the same thing as being in your head, everybody. The problem is, in your life, you've been taught to analyze. My kids in school have been taught pros and cons. You make the best, most logical decision possible. But everybody, that is not a Christian way to make decisions. Discernment is something else. Discernment is not popular opinion. Number two, it's not popular opinion. In the Bible, the crowd is always wrong. Every time there's a crowd, they want to crucify Jesus. They want to go back to Egypt. Uh, They want to stone a woman caught in adultery. There is never a time when a vote is a good thing in the Bible. Never a time where the popular opinion is what we should do. I can't find it. Okay? It's not popular opinion. Discernment is not strategic planning. Not strategic planning. Okay, discerning God's will is not, let's get a 10-year plan. I've never seen God do that. Okay, when you discern God's will, it's normally, here's your next step. (laughs) Better pray for the next one by the time you get to that one. Okay, God's word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's not a lot of light. It's not like way down the trail. That's like right here, you step, and you can see a little more, and then you can see a little more. What discernment is, is listening to the Holy Spirit. Listening to the Holy Spirit. So at some point, you've got to throw all the analytics, all the logic aside, and you've got to hear the voice in your head. Discernment is intuition plus soul. Intuition plus soul. You've got to get a sense. You've got to get a sense. And not just a sense in your head, but there's got to be a soul piece where my gut, something in my spirit says, this is wrong or this is right. I know that sounds a little woo. Okay? Sounds a little, but it is a little woo. You're trying to listen to God in your life. Or as my dad said, I always, I always use this. I got to know in my knower. I got to know, like somehow I got to get beyond this logic and intuition and pros and cons. And I got to know somewhere deep. So hoisting the sail. How do you actually put up your sail? Actually, if you ever go sailing, there's normally multiple sails, right? There's a main sail. I mean, there, there's lots of, and you go to big ships have tons of sails. So how do you actually start to raise your sails to catch the wind and propel? Okay, so, so now we're going to get a little more practical even. First of all, in the Bible, you don't seek answers. You seek God. You don't seek answers. You seek God. The goal is not to get an answer to your question. The goal is to get closer to God. You get answers to your questions on the way to God. And the goal there is pretty important. You start with prayer and fasting. I don't have a long time to get into prayer and fasting, but here's the simple idea. If you're trying to discern God's will for your life, you've got to be praying and reading your scriptures. You've got to be getting your heart ready to listen to the Holy Spirit. Okay, You plow the ground so that your soil is ready to receive whatever God has. You've got to get yourself in the right mind space. Okay, number three. This, this is where we're getting real practical. Make test decisions. I heard this from a guy named Bill Hiles. He talked about making test decisions. And when I heard it, I thought it was the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Okay? And I do it now all the time. And here's what I do. When I'm trying to decide between a couple of things, do I move, do I not move? Retire, not retire. Whatever your thing is. Time to get engaged, time to break up, what is it? Okay? When I'm trying to decide two things, instead of like constantly battling the two things, I'll just decide one for the day. So I'll be like, okay, I'm taking the job. And I'll spend the whole day in that decision. 
What are the implications of that decision? Who do I have to tell? Uh, what do I have to think about? Do I have enough money then? And, and uh, how do I, most important, how do I feel as I'm in the middle of this decision? And then tomorrow, I just decide the other way. Okay? What it does is it sort of parses the ideas apart. And here's what I have found. I almost never really need the second day. Because <laughs> the first day either feels great or feels terrible. But if I test one side versus the other, I can get beyond my head and into how do I feel? How do, how do these decisions feel? That's what I'm trying to do. Get to the decision, how it feels. Okay, use intense focus, then walk away. Intense focus, then walk away. Here's what happens sometimes. Sometimes we are like in the middle of this decision. Do I buy the car? Do I not buy the car? And I'm looking at it, and I'm looking at it, and I'm looking at it, and I can't see it anymore because I've been looking at it for too long. You ever do this to the problem? So here's what you do. You, you know, I research seminaries, I research seminaries, I research seminaries, and then I go for a walk. Okay? I research, I do what I'm doing, I go back and forth, and then I do not think about that thing for three days. And it's amazing how when you get out of the middle of it, your subconscious and your spirit has room to wrestle with it. And oftentimes I find I get a really good idea mowing the grass when I'm not thinking about the thing I've been thinking about. Intense focus, then move away. Take in all the data and avoid either or. Take in all the data. So this is partly what happens. When we get so focused like this, it's like we can't see the whole chessboard. We can't see all the pieces. Okay? You want to be able to stand back and look at the whole board. Because here's what I have found with God's will. God's will is often not the either or. If you think, I've got to go this way or I've got to go this way. God's will comes in and says, why don't you go that way? And you're like, well, that's better than both the other things. Okay, but you can't see it when you're like this. Okay, the biggest thing that you're discerning is who you really are. Amongst your calls, you want to know who you really are. What's your thread? What's your purpose? Your calls can change. Your job can change. Your location can change. You can move houses. God made you to be you. You're going to spend your whole life being more and more you. That's the goal. That's the biggest thing that you're discerning. Okay, trim the sails. Trim the sails, please. You ever go sailing? Um, having the right amount of sail out is important. Okay? If you have too much, it starts flapping. It's not the most efficient. If it's too small, it, it, you're not getting as much wind as you can. So you're constantly sort of dialing in. I was amazed when I was sailing how much we are changing the sail. Changing what side the sail is on, changing how much sail is out, which sail is high or low. You have to trim the sail. So these are sort of advanced player moves, everybody. Okay, these are like next level in thinking about your discernment. Number one, understand the role of the Bible. The Bible is not going to tell you whether to retire or not retire. It doesn't work that way. Written 2,000 years ago, it has no idea what a car was. It is not going to tell you whether to get a car or not get a car. But what it is, is a whole bunch of people talking about their discernment. So if you're seeking God and you want to know how to discern, you can read your Bible and find out how they did it. Also, God is not going to call you to something contrary to the Bible. If you say to me, I think God is calling me to steal money from work. I'm going to say, no, he's not. Right. 
I think God is really calling me to divorce my spouse and marry this person I've been cheating on my spouse with. No, he's not. Right? Like God is not calling you to something contrary to his word. So that's where the scriptures really can be helpful. Understand the role of community. Community. Now, I just said it's not popular opinion. That's what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about wise counsel. Wise counsel. Who do you know that you could run this idea by to tell you whether you're full of it or not? Whether you're way off base or whether, no, I think maybe that's really how God might be calling you. Who is your community? Follow the principle of open doors. Jordan's principle of open doors. Here's what I did when I went to seminary. I said, God, I want to do what you want me to do. But I don't know how to sit here and wait. This is what I find a lot of people. A lot of people, they want God's will, but they are sitting and they're doing nothing about it. Should I get a new job? Did you apply for a new job? Did you look at a new house? Right? Should I get married? Are you dating anybody? Okay? Here's what I told God. I've told this to God again and again and again. God, I'm going to walk through any open doors, and I'm going to knock on a bunch of doors. Close the doors that are wrong doors. And I pray this in our, in our session meetings, I will pray this. Lord, if any of our ideas are bad ideas and not your will, let them fail. Okay, Because I don't want to go down not your road. I want to go down your road. So keep looking for open doors and let God close the doors. Okay, this is a critical point too. If you want to follow God's will, you, you, you better learn to say no to what is not God's will. We are really bad at saying no. If we we think it's good, we're going to say yes to it. No. You've got to say no to the wrong thing. This this goes into my next point. Often God's call is actually two calls. To and away from. To and away from. When God calls Abraham, he says, Leave the household of your fathers and go to the land to which I'm calling you. Everybody, that's two calls. Leave and go. To and away from. And when you get them in stereo, that's when you know it's God's will. Right? Okay, I want a new job. Is it time to leave your old job? No, I think I'm supposed to stay there. Well, you only got one half of the stereo. Okay? Okay, I want a new, I need to leave my job, but I don't have a new job yet. Then stay. Right? I want a new car. What's wrong with your old car? Is it time to leave that car? See, there's two sides, and that can help you discern. Is it really God's will, or are you hearing both sides of it? The leave and the go. Okay, and listen for the hum. When you get it right, in sailing, you can actually hear it in the ship. Okay, when you really are going efficiently in a sailboat, the the boat actually has a hum of hitting the water just right. When it's cutting right through and, and a sailor knows their boat and knows how to listen for that hum. It's, it's right when it's not pressured, when it's not rushed. Okay, If you feel like you have to make a decision right now, that's, that's not often God's leading. Unless it's an emergency in which it's pretty clear that it's an emergency. Don't rush. If you feel forced, if you feel should, if it's, if it's guilt, that's not God. Okay, if you're discerning God's will and you feel guilty, it's probably not God. Okay, the value of discernment is it allows you to be patient. You can be, you can be patient. If it's not God's will, you don't want to rush into it. Okay, you can be patient. 
This sermon allows you to be intentional. Intentional. Okay, that I, if I'm discerning God's will, um, I, I can make sure I'm making the right call. It doesn't have to be wishy-washy. Okay, I can be decisive. Number three, this sermon allows you to be decisive. Okay, so here's, here's for me. Once I know it's God's will, I'm going. Like, I will try to nicely bring you along, but we're going that way. Okay, we're on this path now. And, I, and once I make a decision like that, and I feel like it's God's will, I don't rethink it a lot. <laughs> once I got it, we're going. You can be decisive, and then discernment allows you to be bold. Bold. Once you know it's God's will, go. Don't wait. Like, I like what Davy Crockett used to say on the Disney show. Do you remember? Be sure you're right, then go ahead. Be sure you're right, then go ahead. Be sure you are right, and then march. And once I know I'm right, I'm marching. The limits, I want to tell you a couple limits. I've kind of hinted at these, so this is easy. Discernment doesn't always follow logic. I've said that. Discernment doesn't always get clear. Number two, doesn't always follow logic. It doesn't always get clear. For me, yeah, you can look at my seminary call and say, oh, that was really clear. You got $40,000. Yeah, but for a year, it really wasn't, everybody. Right? It wasn't until that one letter, that one day that it got clear. And I'm telling you, it isn't always that clear. You have to constantly be dialing it in. Discernment doesn't always feel a certain way. Doesn't always feel a certain way. It's not always, doesn't always feel good. Sometimes God calls you to do something you do not want to do. Discernment next doesn't always get easy. Just because it's God will doesn't mean it's hard. Actually, if it's easy and it's really clear, I'm willing to bet it's not God's will. No, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. And here's the last thing. It doesn't always lead to success. When you are discerning God's will, here's what I found. Sometimes I have felt God clearly calling us in a direction. And I go that way and it doesn't actually work out. Now, sometimes God does that because you're going to be blessing somebody else. Sometimes God is prepping you for something else. Um, maybe this failure is going to lead to a success down the road. I don't know. But I'm just saying, there's no guarantees when you follow God's will. It's His will, and He can produce the results that He wants. Now, there's a whole other level of this that we're not talking about, which is discerning as a group. So how do we as a church discern God's will? Then we got to start putting everybody's discernment together. That's a whole other thing. But, but what I want to end with this, is this. One of the most essential elements of being a Christian in a church is the art and practice of discernment. You want to follow Jesus, then you actually, you actually follow Jesus when you make decisions based on what he wants rather than what you want. If you don't work your following of Jesus down to actually making decisions in your life, then you're saying you're following Jesus, but really you're just kind of following you. To follow Jesus is to actually work Jesus into the decision of what does God want for my business, what does God want for my family, for my house, for my work, for my marriage, for my dating, whatever it is. If you're not following God at the ground level, then you're not really following God. So what are you discerning for your own life? Uh, I love talking about this. I talked about this for a long time today. I am willing to talk more about it. If you want to talk about something going on in your life, you're trying to discern, you want to pray for, through that, you want to talk about how, and I want to encourage you, if you're in one of those moments, try some of these strategies out. 
Because I do believe that God honors. This is what I've always found in my life. When I seek God's will, he honors that and helps lead me to God's will. That's how I came to Northminster. I could tell you that story. It's how I met my wife. I could tell you that story. Over and over and over again, God has honored when I have tried to say, I'm going to do it your way. And I have found ways to try to give God opportunity to lead me. I've hoisted the sails and the winds picked up. And I'm telling you that God will do that for you too. And I, as your pastor, would love to have those conversations with you. Uh, not, not, not like this, but like over coffee, right? Or in your living room. Let's, let's go. Because I am passionate about this.